Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs> Heidi. Yes, Becky. Look at us, we're back. <laughs> it's been over a year. Yeah. But we are back. Yeah, this is what happens when a Gemini and a Gemini do a project together. I know. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. We missed you. Did you miss us? I bet you thought you would never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever hear from us again. So I do have to give a little quick shout out to one particular listener who I do know in my real life who actually um, messaged me saying that, were we ever going to do another podcast? She's going to opening it up like kind of sadly each day and going, oh, no, nothing there. Oh, no, nothing there. So we have, at least, we have at least one fan who will be very surprised to see us pop up in her library again. Oh, hello, fan. <laughs> and it's not our mums. It's not our mums. No, a fan who is actually not our mums. Oh. I mean, not that we underestimate no. the fandom of our mothers. Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. But it is nice to know that other people want to listen to us. Yeah, it is. Because, um, listen, in case you don't know this already, Heidi and I sort of did this originally as a way of us making sure that we have a good conversation on a regular basis and a conversation that's more just about them whinging about our lives but you know delving into something and exploring something together um yeah so let's make a promise that we won't let it go this long again no, long again. <laughs> no well we, we, we yeah we'll try <laughs> but becky we've got a cracker of a story today we cracker us Bone yeah. cracker of a story, kind it, of even. <laughs> it is a cracker of a story. Yeah, we do. We do. You've, yeah. been a, you've been a little bit obsessed about it this week, haven't you? Yes. Mm. yes. Do, you, do you want to explain? Okay. To, yeah. So the thing is, I've been a little bit obsessed with chimpanzee behavior. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you want to explain why? Well, look, I was watching that incredible Jordan Peele movie. Nope, and I made you watch it as well. Yeah, thanks for that. Carla. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I'm I'm addicted to these movies now, but oh my god, that was an experience. Ah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely ex- an experience. And <laughs> yeah. um, there's a, te- a terrifying chimp attack scene in the movie. I mean, it's uh, it's not exactly a horror movie. It's more like a UFO thriller. It's a horror movie. It was horrifying to me because it's 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 psychological torture. Well, I I don't know. I would call it more of a thriller than a horror movie. Okay, but but one of the scenes that did terrify me um, was the chimp attack scene, mm. and it reminded me of what happened to Charlie Nash. In 2009, if you remember, Charlene Ash was a woman who was horrifically attacked by her friend's 
pet chimpanzee, Travis. And she appeared on Oprah Winfrey. And I think that is the interview that made a lot of people respect Oprah a lot less. So I remember Carla. I do, Charla, sorry. Yeah. I remember Charla, but I don't remember what happened in the Oprah interview. Oh, Oprah was just tactless. Oh, well. Oh, my always God. Was. But, but more so than usual. Okay. And it was just just horrible to see, you know. Now, Charla would say, well, I don't actually remember what happened in the chimp attack. And, and when I do start remembering, I have to tell my doctors so they can give me medicine because, yeah. you know, I, I Too horrific. They, they say I, I can't live with those memories. And, and then Oprah went, so you you don't remember when <laughs> Travis, and then she gave this huge, oh my God. detailed, and then Charles like, no, no, I don't remember that. No, no. <laughs> oh, lovely, 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 oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. And, and there was one bit that was edited out, and but I remember it. They edited out, but I remembered it. Uh, where Charles was talking about how she now had to eat through a straw and Oprah said, oh, well, you don't have to worry about your weight then. Oh, my, no. It's like... Uh, <laughs> no, just... you're lying. No, lying. I remember this. No. And then it was edited oh out. God. Why wasn't she cancelled back then? Oh, because back then Oprah could do no wrong. Well, she still can do no wrong. I don't understand it, but anyway, I'm not yeah. a big fan of yeah. Oprah. Yeah. Honest with you. Look, look, I'm, I'm saying I remember it, whether it was a false memory or not, I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, <laughs> that's how I remember it. So I in the movie Nope, I actually remembered it before you, you tortured me with your chimpanzee obsession. Yeah. I remember, I, I saw the scene where there was someone in the... Uh, they're waiting. Oh, I don't want to give anything away for the movie, but basically there's a character who is just sitting there in the audience waiting for something to happen. And it's a woman wearing a great big giant hat with a scarf on it. And it's obviously yes. to disguise. And I immediately actually remembered Charla. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that was a bit of a, you know. I think it would have been. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. And uh, now we're not actually talking about the Charla Nash incident. No. Um, because, you know, a lot of people have, have spoken about that. So I decided um, on a story that predates the Charla Nash incident, it's one that really, really sucked me in. And there are just so many heartbreaking layers. So today we're going to talk about the family of Mo the Chimp. And we are going to have to put in a trigger warning here. At some point, this story is going to get really violent and scary. Uh, but we will warn you before giving the graphic details. So we'll sort of say, mm, might want to stop now. Yeah. Now, first of all, Becky, what do you think about chimpanzees in I, general? They creep me the hell out. Yeah. I tell you what, that crows and uh Crows and chimpanzees, or, or monkeys actually, creep me out because I feel like they know stuff about us that we don't know. 
I feel like <laughs> one day they're going to take over the earth. Maybe because I watched that stupid sci-fi when I was a kid where, you know, it was Earth all along, um, Planet of the Apes. But yeah. No, there's there's something um, very clever about monkeys. They're far more intelligent than us. Far more intelligent than us. Well, well to be pedantic, chimpanzees aren't technically monkeys. They're primates. What's the difference? Uh, they don't have tails. Well, there you go. I did not know that. Yeah, they I don't put have them tails. all in the same category. Yeah, so the great apes are like chimpanzees, gorillas. They don't have tails, and their skeletal system is more Close similar to, to humans. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so as far as evolution went, we may have got, you know, a few more dexterity in our bodies and everything, but they may have got smarter. So. Well, we do share something like 98% of our DNA. Maybe that's why they creep me out a bit. They're too close. Yeah. Yeah, they're too close. And look, as you know me, I'm really soppy about animals. No. No, really? You didn't know? <laughs> no. Is there a person who can actually walk their dog in your neighbourhood without you kidnapping their dog for half an hour? I know the names of all the dogs <laughs> in the neighbourhood. I could not recognise the humans that come with them. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So, look, I've always said that my death is going to be brought on by me hugging something I'm not supposed to hug. Yeah. And I And, look. My best friends are wild swans. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was out in the park today with my book and mama swan, baby swan came and sat next to me. We had a lovely time together. Yeah. But I've never loved chimps. Never? Never. I've Ooh. never loved them. Not even when I was little. I didn't even really like monkey toys or anything like that. So just didn't appeal to you or actually creep you out a tiny bit? Both. Okay. Yeah. Look, I've just never felt all squishy for them like I do for most animals. And I think it's because they're too much like us. It's it's that uncanny valley thing. Mm. Um, and I always hated it when people dress them up and treat them like children because ah oh, there's just something wrong about that yeah um 10,000 levels of wrong i mean i i mean it, you're really turning them into little freaks aren't you well yeah do that because it's like well here is something that's almost human Two percent DNA away of being human, but it's always just going to be this this little freak. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, it it just feels wrong to me. It is wrong. <laughs> no, it is wrong. Yeah. So I often think there are some animals that I don't know. They like being pets. I mean, no doubt that Peter would disagree with me, but um, yeah. dogs they like to be in a pack. Do you know they, they like to be in a family? That that's their pack. Yeah. Um, they're happy. They're happy. Yeah. And I mean, dogs have been bred for thousands exactly. of years yeah. to to be pets, yeah. to live yeah. with us. Yeah. But other pets, I think, no. And, and in particular, monkeys, primates, um, keeping them as pets, it feels unfathomably wrong. 
and it feels yeah. like they really hate it. Yes, yes. And because they're so intelligent, you don't know. Do they really like their captors? No, they don't. Or they, are they pretending? Do you think Do you think they love their captors? Love. Let's get like. Do you think they love their captors? Like a dog loves, a dog loves their owner. A dog loves their owner, um, wants to do the best by their owner. That's why I don't like dogs because they're just too subservient for me. I always feel guilty because if you, you know, you sigh and they go, oh, I'm sorry, you go, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> <laughs> chill out. Right? Whereas a cat will just spit at you and go, oh, what are you doing, you stupid woman? Yeah. So that's why I've always been appealed by cats because they stand up to you. Um, but monkeys, I don't think I could ever imagine any monkey or primate actually loving their owners. I don't see it. Uh, I mean, I suppose it would be an individual thing. I'm sure they all have their own personality in the same way that any animal or human has its own personality. But uh. but in general, <laughs> but generalising, generalising here, do you think that the monkeys are happy to be pets? Oh, probably not. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, we should talk yes. about the story, shouldn't we? All right. <laughs> so, so let's start with the story. So this story starts and ends in West Covina, a suburban city in California. It's the swinging 60s and we have a fresh-faced young couple of high school sweethearts. St. James Davis was a self-assured and charming mechanic obsessed with hot rods and about to start a career as a NASCAR driver. His girlfriend, LaDonna, that's, it's like Madonna but with an L, was the kind of pretty blonde girl you see in old Hollywood movies. A traditional girl who wanted to devote her life to doting on her husband and children. Actually, this couple are like people in a movie, only the genre of movie keeps changing during different times oh. in their lives. Oh, good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when they were freshly graduated from high school, they were like something out of a Doris Day musical. Later, their lives became like a quirky indie film <laughs> and then descended into Jordan Peele style horror. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to that later. So it being the 60s and suburban America, the pressure was on for St. James to propose to LaDonna and live the white picket fence suburban dream, something that LaDonna dearly wanted. St. James was hesitant. At that time, hot rods were the overriding love of his life, and he just wasn't ready to put a wife first and cars second. Societal pressures got too much, however, and a wedding was planned in 1966. The morning of the wedding came around and St. James decided to tinker for a bit with his car. <laughs> An hour went by, then another and another, and the groom had spent the whole of his wedding day with his head under the hood of his car. Oh, God. <laughs> LaDonna had been waiting at the church in her wedding gown, surrounded by bridesmaids and family and friends, 
and had had to return to her parents' house, unmarried, humiliated, and utterly heartbroken. Can you imagine? That would be it's awful. It's like a pity no- a nightmare for someone like that in the Doris Day movie. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. So the jilted bride and the groom with cold feet were, of course, the talk of the town. St. James found the scrutiny and public judgment too much to handle. So when he saw that a merchant ship was looking for deckhands, he applied for the job immediately. Leaving the suburbs to travel the world seemed like the perfect way of never having to face LaDonna and her angry friends. And St. James jumped into the adventure with gusto. The story that St. James tells is that the ship came into problems on the coast of Africa and the crew were left to their own devices in Tanzania while the ship was being repaired. Now, he claims to have witnessed a band of poachers killing a female chimpanzee and leaving her baby to die alone. Unable to stop thinking of the orphan baby chimp, St. James went back to the same place the next day and found that the baby was still there, alive, but hungry and obviously very sad. Now, some people say that St. James wasn't the most reliable of narrators and the chimp was most likely purchased on the black market, but we will never know this. So let's stick with the story, yeah? St. James did not return to his job on the ship. Instead, he chose to live in the wild and care for the baby chimp, finding fruit and birds' eggs for him to eat. He seemed to have lived in a daze until a villager got concerned about the weird white man who was wandering about with a baby chimp and took him to some nearby German missionaries. The villager called the chimp Mogambo and this was eventually shortened to Mo. The missionaries paid for St. James' flight home to Los Angeles and Mo sat quietly on his lap the whole trip. It just amazes me that US Airlines... (laughs) <laughs> some animals on flights. 70s. Surely it was more relaxed then, I'm guessing. Yeah, but even now they can bring small dogs. Can they? Yeah, they can have like a little dog in their lap on a flight. See, see now, you know how your nightmare is to be seated next to a, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> My nightmare is to be seated next to a dog. Oh, <laughs> I would yeah. love that. But I know, dog, yeah. The owner wouldn't. They'd be like, get off my dog. <laughs> Please leave my dog alone now. I know. <laughs> so when St. James arrived back at the airport, his mother was there to pick him up as planned. Only his mother wasn't the only one there. LaDonna was behind her, obviously still furious and resentful that she'd been talked into meeting him. Now, I have a yes. question. Yes. In any of your research, did you discover how long he'd been gone for? Uh, I think it was less than a year. Okay. So there's a fair whack of time, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was awkward. Uh-huh. But the fact that he was carrying a tiny baby chimp <laughs> did work as a distraction. It didn't hurt that Mo was the cutest and most charming thing possible. And St. James's mother fell in love with the little primate immediately. LaDonna was a harder egg to crack. She didn't speak to St. James at all and could barely look at him. St. James moved himself and Mo back in with his mother 
and she appears to have completely embraced Mo as a grandson. Even LaDonna's mother, Estelle, had fallen under the spell of the baby chimp and began going round to the Davis house to play with him. She convinced her daughter to come with her and, surely enough, LaDonna melted at the first hug from the chimp. Then, because she was obviously a much better and more forgiving person than I would ever have been, <laughs> she opened her heart to St. James again and the two decided to give it another go. I mean, good on her. I wouldn't. No, no um, nor would I. And I wouldn't let you. And I, yeah. <laughs> but this is the 60s and, mm-hmm. you know, getting married is, is really, yeah. really important. Um, yeah. So they got married on June the 6th, 1970, at LaDonna's parents' house, and the groom actually turned up this time. <laughs> can, well you, can you imagine her entire thought process that morning as she was getting ready? I know. It just would have been a day of trauma. Remember? I know. Yeah, absolutely. So Mo was the best man and walked down the aisle in a tiny tuxedo and bow tie, helping the flower girl to throw rose petals. He stole the show and won the hearts of everyone at the wedding, even when he stole champagne and peed on a bridesmaid's dress. If you'd been a guest at that wedding, would you have been creeped out about all of that or would you be then going, oh, isn't this cute? It would have creeped me out because yeah, how I feel about chimps. Hmm. But it seems like it seems like everybody there loved him. He was basically the Pippa Middleton. <laughs> he stole the show. <laughs> was it his bum in the dress? <laughs> in the oh tuxedo. My God. <laughs> anyway, so the three of them became the happiest family imaginable. It's so creepy. That is until LaDonna was diagnosed with cancer and told that she needed her hysterectomy. Now, LaDonna had always wanted to be a mother, as you know from the Doris Day. Um, and she had planned on having at least five children. She was absolutely inconsolable at the realisation that this could never happen. After the operation, LaDonna refused to go home with her husband. She moved back in with her parents and offered to divorce St James. She told him that he deserved a wife who could give him children. For five weeks, St James tried to convince his wife to come home, and the words that finally convinced her were, we already have a son, Mo." So she did go home and the three of them went back to being the happiest family imaginable until they came across one more bit of trouble. This time they were in trouble for harbouring a wild animal and summoned to court. This is where things get very Hollywood but in a good way. On the day of the trial, they dressed Mo like a little gentleman in trousers and button-up shirt. The courthouse was surrounded by reporters and locals and Mo behaved like a gracious visiting movie star, waving to his fans and offering handshakes. He charmed absolutely everybody, including the judge and the prosecutors, who happily dropped the case. The judge announced that Mo was better behaved than most people and the Davises left the courthouse in triumph. As you can imagine, Mo was a massive local celebrity. He was a sweet and loving disposition and 
even when he reached adolescence, which is usually when captive chimps show signs of aggression, he still remained surprisingly calm and even-tempered. If you know anything about captive chimps, you'll know that they generally can't be kept as pets forever. So why keep them all even in their youth if, they can't, if they're not suitable in adulthood? Anyway, anyway. And look, I, I agree and I felt the same. Okay, I once had a housemate who came home with a baby boa constrictor. Oh. This was in Scotland because boa constrictors are illegal here as pets. Yes. Um, so she came home with a baby boa constrictor. Luckily, I'm a very cool person and didn't freak <laughs> out and call the landlord. And I became really good friends with the boa constrictor. And um, I, I got quite close to the boa constrictor and um, I would tickle him under the chin. Not that, he ha- not that snakes have a chin, but, you know, he would lift up his little head for tickles <laughs> and, and he would sit on my shoulders and watch movies with me and... And um, but yeah, I I always questioned her because she bought this boa constrictor, knowing that at some point she would have to give him up to a sanctuary. Because That's insane. I know because he 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 would eat her at some point. Because <laughs> they when they mm. get when they get a certain size, they will eat their owner. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I I don't get that. I something really something should not be kept as pets. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the consensus among primate experts is that they shouldn't be kept as pets at all. Franz Duval, the lead biologist at Yerkes National Research Centre, said in an interview with Scientific American that a chimp in your home is like a time bomb. It may go off for a reason that we may never understand. I don't know any chimp relationship that has been harmonious. Usually, these animals end up in a cage. They cannot be controlled. Patrick Pester, in his Live Science article in 2021, wrote, Captive or pet, chimpanzees attack people far more often than their wild kin because they can lose their fear of people altogether. During attacks, chimps will target a person's face, hands, feet and genitals. The Jane Goodall Institute UK noted that pet chimpanzees are destructive and too dangerous to be kept as part of the family and that it is difficult to keep them stimulated and satisfied in a human environment. And do you know what, Becky? I think that's what I find terrifying about captive chimp attacks. They're not attacking to kill. Mm. They have the intention of maiming and disfiguring you and leaving you alive. <laughs> and it feels like there's yes. malice yes. with that. Yes, yes. Yes. It, yeah, it feels malicious. I mean, I can understand an animal getting defensive and lashing out because it thinks it's in danger. Yes. But there's something almost human about the way captive chimps can hurt people. Now, you look at other – look at dog attacks. Yeah. Look at um, – okay, well, boa constrictor. Yeah. Right? Their attacks are very, very different. They're, they're like um, 
uh, they're in context. Do chimpanzees, when they are fighting other chimpanzees, go for the genitals, go for the nose, go for the face? It it it, it feels like it's a listen here, you cousin, only two percent from me. Yeah, and I think also when you've been uh, forced into behaving like another yeah. species, yes, something yes. has to crack. You know, when you're dressed up, forced to behave like a human and you're not a human. There you go. It's so wrong on so many levels. It's almost impossible to articulate. Yeah. Also, they generally have an IQ of about 20 to 25, which is about as high as your average human toddler, which is very, very smart for an animal. They're also extremely strong. It's apparently a myth that they're five times stronger than a human man. They're more like 1.5 times stronger. But what really does the damage is their teeth, which are very long and powerful. And terrifying to look at. And terrifying. (laughs) And don't forget they also have opposable thumbs. Like Mm. humans. They have have hands like humans. Mm. Strong strong hands. Strong hands, and they can hurt you in ways humans can hurt you. I mean, if a dog attacks you with their teeth, the dog can't strangle you. Yeah. A chimp can strangle you. Um, A dog can't pick you up and throw you across the room. So just having these opposable thumbs uh, can can make an animal that has the IQ of a human toddler and low impulse control. Very, very dangerous. Just back to the IQ for a moment. Yeah. Um, I was watching a very interesting um, documentary today about how IQ is measured. And it, it, it's actually almost very, very difficult to measure IQ because it relies on a communal understanding of certain... Uh, yes. Does that make sense, right? Yes. So we attribute them to a 20 to 25 IQ level in our... Um, understanding our subjective understanding of yeah. what IQ is. Yeah. <laughs> so, in actual fact, they're probably a lot smarter. Yeah. A lot of the other ways that we don't know how we to can't even fight. fathom. Yeah. yeah. Like we like there are colours that some creatures can see that we can't see. There are IQ levels that we can't fathom. Yeah. Mo, however, showed no signs of being scary in any way. At least not for a long time. He lived with the Davises for 30 years. Their neighbours loved seeing the couple and their primate son riding around on their three-seater bike, walking along the beach and doing their weekly grocery shop. Oh, my God, even that sentence is just so creepy. I know. Ah, the family was loved and accepted by all, and Mo was adored by the community. He wore human clothes, ate at the kitchen table with his parents. I'm doing a lot of quotation marks with my fingers here. Yep. Yep was fully toilet trained and slept in his own bedroom. Well, sometimes slept in his own bedroom, but more often slept with LaDonna and St. James. He made himself peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, according to LaDonna, could write something that looked like his name in crayons. However, in 1998, Mo found himself in a spot of trouble. At this time, due to his size, he was housed in an enclosure inside the house. There was some work being done on his enclosure 
and the workman accidentally left a piece of equipment on the ground that Mo touched. It gave him an electric shock that terrified him so much that he ran out of the house and down the street. Neighbours, finding they couldn't control him, called the police. Still rattled, Mo mauled the hand of a cop and had to be tranquilised by animal control. Mo was returned to his family, even though the police officer reportedly needed $250,000 to treat his injured hand, which suggests a significant injury. The next year, in September, a visitor put her hand in Moe's cage, which was a stupid thing to do since LaDonna had repeatedly warned her not to do this. According to some reports, he bit her finger. Other reports say that the tip of her finger was actually bitten off. Always ready to defend her son, LaDonna said that the woman's red nail polish looked like red licorice and Moe bit her out of confusion, not aggression. You know... You imagine that scenario yeah. where Mo has um, been scared by an electric shock item, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he would have had no context in which to rationalise that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he finds himself on the street being chased by a whole lot of people and suddenly he finds himself with a copper trying to grab at him. Yeah. <sighs> what do we yeah. do to animals anyway? I know. I know. We we really can't blame him in that situation. No, no. So no. so what is aggression and what is a natural response? But anyway. That's exactly it. I know. <sighs> so much to the horror of the Davises, police officers appeared at the front door the very next day. Opening the door, St James saw that the street was full of police cars, ambulances and fire trucks. He was furious and refused to cooperate. Police had to physically detain him while animal control officers forced themselves inside. Gawking neighbours could see St James weeping uncontrollably on his front lawn as a tranquilised mob was carried out and then taken away in a horse trailer. The community of West Covina rallied around the grieving couple, even circulating a petition to bring Mo home. But this time, the authorities were not going to listen. Gone were the days of the West Covina monkey trial and all of the heartwarming Hollywood-style whimsy that went with it. Mo was now 30 years old. Four feet tall and 130 Mm. pounds. He was a threat that had been tolerated for too long. So Mo was taken to the Wildlife Way Station, a refuge for exotic animals. This is where stories diverge. The Davises claim that on their first visit, they found Mo in a terrible state, depressed, weak and refusing to eat. The Wildlife Way Station disputes this completely. The Davises were engaged in court battles over the next several years, desperately trying to have Mo return to their care. During this time, they went to the Way Station for regular visits and bought him gifts, although they were not allowed to touch him even when he opened his arm for hugs. Finally, in 2004, Mo was transferred to Animal Haven Ranch, a private sanctuary that would place no restrictions on the Davis's visits and would provide Mo with his own cage. 
they might not have their son at home with them, but at least they could see him more often. This is where the story gets really dark. Yeah. And really scary. Yeah. And you might want to pretend the story ends here. <laughs> or you might want to know what happened on the day of Mo's 13th birthday. It was March the 3rd, 2000, 2005. Mo was usually pampered on his birthday, but after all they'd been through over the past several years, LaDonna and St. James wanted this one to be extra special. After the two and a half hour drive, the couple arrived at the sanctuary with presents, balloons, chocolate milk, and most importantly, a beautiful layer cake that LaDonna had baked the night before. Something that always shocks me about people who keep chimps as pets, well, one of the things that shocked me, how much junk food they give them. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't give a dog or a cat chocolate and lollies. And I, know pe- I know people who do. Oh, really? Yeah. And, but, but, I mean, you're talking about the same kind of people. The people who will give him a layer of chocolate cake and gifts and all that kind of stuff is the same kind of people who would dress him up in clothing and call him their son. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just it, wrong all it's around. It's just... <laughs> it's just I'm sure that their that their gut isn't built for chocolate and all that. Anyway, anyway, it's I'll not with the story. <laughs> so, We're very judgmental in this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mo was beside himself to see them and their armful of treats, and his clapping and squealing was so loud that it aroused the attention of the chimps in the nearby cages. One of those cages had been accidentally left unlocked. LaDonna took out a knife, cut the cake, and presented a piece to her overjoyed son. Now, as we said before, primates are very intelligent and have a very complex social system. They also seem to have a staunch idea of fairness, especially concerning social ranks and what chimps from each rank on the hierarchy deserve. Mo was very low mm. in the chimp hierarchy at the sanctuary. Yeah, it's possible that the other chimps were upset that a low-ranking newbie chimp was being fed cake and getting all of his attention. Also, the Davises would often give the other chimps at the sanctuary treats when they came to visit. So there might have also had been an element of anger that they were taking too long to come over and share the cake with them too. Chimps can be very emotional and jealousy is something that can trigger their anger. Anyway, this next part is very gruesome and you can skip a couple of minutes ahead if you don't think you can deal with it. And I'll take over the gruesome bit. Yep, that's you. yours, that's Heidi. My, oh, you. My gift to you, Becky. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, as I said before, one of the cages had been carelessly left unlocked, and the two chimps in this cage were males called Buddy and Ollie. Buddy and Ollie opened their cages opened the cage and made their way towards the family celebration. Sir James and LaDonna 
turned and made eye contact with Buddy and Ollie. Uh-huh. And if you've seen eye the movie, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, no, uh, you know that you just don't do that. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So the two chimps charged. LaDonna was pushed into her husband as one of the chimps bit down on her left thumb and tore it off her hand. St. James pushed her under the picnic table where she had to be the spectator of her husband being eaten alive for over five minutes. Both chimps jumped on him and both attacked different ends of his body simultaneously. One of the chimps bit into his upper face, crunching the bone over his right eyebrow and gouging out his right eye. Then the chimps tore off St. James's nose and lips with his teeth. Wildly trying to defend himself, St. James rammed his hand down the chimp's throat, only for the chimp to begin munching down on his hand and devouring his fingers. While this was happening, the other chimp was tearing away at his buttocks, genitals and left foot. LaDonna was under the picnic table the entire time, screaming for help as her husband's blood gushed over the ground. Mark Carruthers, the son-in-law of the sanctuary owner, finally heard the commotion and appeared on the scene with a revolver. The chimps barely noticed the bullets that were fired in their direction. They continued to play with the bloodied pulp that no longer resembled St. James Davis. And the younger chimp decided to drag his body down the hill. Carruthers had to leave the scene to reload his gun. And when he returned, the younger chimp was still mauling St. James, tearing at whatever parts of his body were left. It was, shot, it was a shot to the chest that finally killed the chimp. Moe had been in his cage the entire time, curled up in the corner, silent and still. Thank you for that, Heidi. That's all right. I I really want to know what was going through Mo's mind. It's almost at that moment he was in primate land and he was just nothing but ceding to um, the hierarchy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he was locked in his cage. Oh, was he? So, yeah, he was locked in his cage. Um, oh. It was the other cage that was unlocked. And I, people have speculated on what would, what would have happened if Mo had been out of his cage. And it's like, would he have tried to defend? Joined a, in. Or would that uh, wild animal self have taken over and would he have joined mm. in and uh yeah yeah it's it's something you can't really think about okay mm. well anyway hard as it might be to believe saint james survived a helicopter arrived to take a still conscious or oh, saint james still sort of, conscious. i know how how oh my god oh my god 
<sighs> they took a, a still conscious St. James to Loma Linda University Medical Centre. Now, something, I don't know if you know this or not, Heidi, but they actually took him to two other places before that and neither would take him. So yes. he was done for. Yes. And he actually heard them say, no, no, this one's got to go no, to the no, coroner. No, 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 we can't do anything with him. Take it to the coroner. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. I mean, I mean you've already got that uh, horror on horror on horror. But anyway, that's a bad day. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we've got to do this to each other. Next time we're, like, whinging about our first world problems to each other, we'll just go, yeah, but at least you're not dealing with what St. James had to deal with in 19... Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the thing. So... A medically induced coma, um, probably a blessed coma, um, was induced and countless surgeries later, St. James was able to return home with his devoted wife. LaDonna had barely left his side and she promised that she never would. St. James was permanently disabled and disfigured and needed LaDonna to help him with the most basic of activities. But his main concern was Mo. Mo had been transferred to another sanctuary and in 2007, St. James was strong enough to join LaDonna in making weekly visits to visit their boy. Can you imagine what it would have felt like to go to one of these sanctuaries for the first time after? Well, that's where you have to sort of give them some credit. They must have really loved him. Oh, yes. But their loyalty to him, I mean, at least you could give them that. Yeah. And like other you know, I can think of a few tiger owning people who, you know, Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anywho, St. <laughs> James threw himself into campaigning for legal guardianship of Mo and people who lived in West Covina at the time remember the huge Bring Ho- Mo Home signs that he put out on his front lawn. Mo was now elderly in chimpanzee years and they didn't want him to spend the time he had left in the sanctuary. In 2008, they received a call from the sanctuary. Mo had disappeared. There had been no incident, no disturbance. Mo had just gone. It seemed that he had broken the steel welds from his cage, slid open the door and left. The search went on for weeks with volunteer searchers, bloodhounds and helicopters. Nobody found anything. Apart from one or two people claiming to have glimpsed him in certain areas, there were no clues. It's still not known if he broke out or if he'd been taken, but the Davises always insisted it was the latter. The search was officially ended after a month, but the heartbroken Davises kept searching for years after, insisting that Mo was out there somewhere. LaDonna would wheel St James into the forest and the two of them would call out to Mo for hours. The couple have left have kept a very low profile since 2006, and I'm not completely certain they're even still alive. They were featured in a 13-year-old YouTube video, and someone in the comments claimed to have known them and said that St. James had passed. Now, I've no idea if this is true or not, and if they are still alive, I doubt they would still have hope of seeing Mo again. Mo was 42 when he went missing, so it's highly likely that he would have died of old age by now, even if he had survived in the wild. 
it's just such a sad story on so many levels. Oh, yes. It's almost like a cautionary tale or something. I don't know. It, it's like a really dark and twisted fairy, fairy tale. tale. Yes. You know, yeah. where, where you have like a, the animal prince. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it's just crossing boundaries, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There are certain boundaries that we do cross with animals that we really shouldn't. We really shouldn't. Unfortunately, I think America's a little bit lenient on animal, wild animal care and everything like that. I think um, you can get a tiger, you can get, you know, have a little zoo of your own. You can have Australian sugar gliders. No. Yes. Leave our sugar gliders alone. Yes. There are so many TikToks with sugar gliders, like, in houses, and they're flying from, like, bookcase to bookcase and it's oh it's like they're nocturnal yeah. away from the light i am oh, so no. judgmental i really I know. cats and dogs cats can tell you to get stuffed quite happily that they're arrogant they're they're, they're fine they can have yeah. you being pets they've got your number dogs love to be part of that you know um family thing can we not have other animals as pets just saying <laughs> no no and do you know what I this is <laughs> this is how 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 you know far gone I am. I haven't stopped keeping goldfish. Yeah. Because the breeding practices yeah. for goldfish are just too much. They're just too cruel. Yeah. Um you know, they're mutating them in ways yeah. that that mean that they're always going to be sick. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, well, look at these new cats that they've bred that can't breathe through their the, the flat-faced ones that have got, like, they, they stand on their hind legs. Sorry if anyone's got one. You can hate me I, for this. I that, don't oh, know about them. That They've just got so many health issues and they can barely breathe. Oh, anyway. I've never uh, seen these cats. I'll send you some. I'll, <laughs> we'll do that a bit later, okay? Okay. We'll, we'll have a new thing to obsess over, oh, Heidi. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I think they're called teacup cats or something. Oh, really? But they've got super tiny front paws and they sit on their hind haunches and everyone goes, oh, my God, they're so cute. Um, but they're actually deformed and they, they bred deformed with deformed to keep it, like, going. Cause, and they, they did the same thing with dogs. Well, yeah, Human beings are horrible. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, we are. We are. We should stick to destroying our own species and stop trying to destroy all the other ones as well. Oh, we just we have to leave a lot of things alone. Yes, we truly do. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, apart from the uh, rather horrific, nightmare-inducing content, that was fun, Heidi. I think we should do this again. We should. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I don't know. Start a podcast or something. <laughs> Restart a podcast. Or Restart something. a podcast. That would do. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. I do apologize for the fact that uh, we neglected you for so yeah. long there was just so much going on yeah um but we won't do it again and uh, oh, we will, we'll, we'll see try you not to do it again <laughs> <laughs> see you later everyone <laughs>